Welcome to What's the Data Point from Citizens Budget Commission and Gotham Gazette. I'm Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. I'm Maria Dulles from the CBC. Thanks for joining us here today. Uh, if you've missed any of our episodes, please find them. You can find them on any of your podcast platforms. We've had a lot of great guests on, uh, and we have another good guest and episode here today. Uh, and if you are finding us on a podcast platform, please make sure to subscribe um, and tell your friends, colleagues, family, people you see on the subway to check us out. Uh, and you can find us on Twitter. I'm at TweetBenMax. Maria's at Maria Dulis. And we're excited for today's program. Uh, on today's podcast, we're joined by City Council Member Antonio Reynoso. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, and we're going to have a good, wide-ranging discussion with the council member. He's doing a lot of work on different subjects. Uh, before we get to that discussion, Maria will give us a little more introduction with today's data point. 1,988 pounds is the average amount of garbage a New York City household throws out each year, according to a recent study by the New York City Department of Sanitation. That's right. Your household is probably generating a ton of trash each year. Citywide, the sanitation department disposed of 3.2 million tons in 2017. The department estimates that 75% of this waste could be recycled or composted, but the capture rate, how much is actually separated, hovers around 50% for metal, paper, and glass. In total, only 17.4% of curbside waste is diverted for recycling. Under the de Blasio administration, the goal has become 100% diversion, or as they put it, zero waste. After almost 30 years, we're still landfilling as much as we're recycling, and it's a costly business. The cost of collecting garbage is higher than cities like Chicago and Washington, D.C., and the cost of disposal is also high and relies primarily on exporting our garbage to landfills as far away as Kentucky and South Carolina. And that's just your household garbage. Commercial garbage is collected by private waste hauling firms and is regulated by the city's Business Integrity Commission, and there are a lot of issues to discuss there as well. So we're very lucky to have the councilman and chair of the Sanitation Committee, Antonio Reynoso, with us today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you again. So we want to get into some of that and a whole bunch of other mm -hmm. things. Um, obviously, folks listening may not be that familiar with some of the sanitation issues. They often aren't all over the front pages, although no. here and there they are. Uh, and the Business Integrity Commission that Maria mm -hmm. mentioned, lots of stuff there. Um, you also have a district where the L train shutdown is going to So we have yes, a lot to discuss. Yes, yes. But anyway, before we get into that stuff, um, just tell us and listeners a little bit about who you are, where mm -hmm. the, the district you represent, what you did before you got elected. Mm -hmm. Well, um, Antonio Reynoso, I'm the council member of the 34th district, which encompasses Williamsburg and Bushwick in Brooklyn and Ridgewood in Queens. Um, I uh, was born and raised in the district I represent in the south side of Williamsburg in the 90s, not, not, not what it looks like now. Uh, the buildings weren't tall and shiny um, when I was growing up there. Um, it's a tough neighborhood. It was a tough neighborhood. Um, the only time I left it was to go to college in Syracuse. Um, in, well, I went to Lemoyne College in Syracuse, New York. My mom is very Catholic, very religious. Uh, she had me go away. Um, and I also went to private school at LaSalle Academy, which is a Catholic school here in the city of New York under the Archdiocese of Manhattan. Um, I'm, I'm one of the most fortunate people you would ever meet. Uh, things that I, I despise, for example, the extension of term limits and how it was done in the city of New York, I thought it was a terrible thing. But I was 26 years old when that happened. When it happened, Diana Reina, the, the previous council member, got to get four more years 
in the city council and also gave me four more years to be prepared, raise more money, learn more about the community, uh, build better relationships, network, and so forth. So it gave me the opportunity to be better prepared to run for city council. And I got elected when I went against uh, Vito Lopez, um, the name that should not be mentioned, so this is the last time I might say that. Um, he was the party boss, and he was very powerful um, in Brooklyn, but a uh, scandal um, hit him very very hard, uh, he, especially if it would have been now during the Me Too movement, he would have been gone faster and he probably would have not ran against me. But back then it was a little different. Um, and that was just, what, four years ago. Um, he tried to run for city council after he got kicked out of the assembly. And I had, uh, I went against him. People still betted on me to lose. I didn't get all the endorsements, uh, yeah. surprisingly, but I won. Um, I was very fortunate. My community had my back. Um, I had good people around me. Um, and it was a, it was a, very joyous moment for me. Uh, but um, that, that's pretty much the, the sum of how I got here. Before I started politics, I was an uh, ACORN organizer. Um, before the scandal, which ended up not being a scandal, um, I was taught under John Cass and Bertha Lewis. Those are my, my mentors or my bosses. I want to call them bosses more than mentors. Um, they were very, very tough, and they taught me a lot. Um, and from there, I started working for Councilmember Reina. Um, as a Ridgewood organizer and moved my way up and eventually became council member. So, You actually just reminded me, I hadn't yeah. thought about this in a long time, but you just reminded me that on primary day, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this, in 2013, when you the day of the vote between you and Lopez, I actually came out to your district that yeah. day. I was trying to, there were so many races and I was mm-hmm. trying to decide, where should I just sort of pop in and see what's going on and talk yeah. to people? And mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's a pretty interesting one. Uh-huh. Uh, and I went out there and, and you know, there was like, you know, all the palm cards near the subway stations yeah. that people had uh, handed out or discarded. Yeah, waste of money you could imagine. Popped yeah. into your campaign <laughs> headquarters, and there was a lot of intensity in there. And yeah. I don't, you know, you guys felt um, confident, but I don't think you knew exactly yeah. what was going to happen. We, th- our our consultants knew what was going on. They did a poll, and they refused to let us see it. They wanted <laughs> us to keep working, but. Um, they they had us winning um, almost exactly how how it, it ended up. So um, yeah, we didn't know anything. We were mm. fighting to the end, uh, but we were up by like 15 points. Uh, so it was it was a lot. But he they still had us working, of course, the last two weeks. But it was intense, very intense. Mm. I got a lot of young people, New Kings Democrats, um, which is a club that I start um, I was a part of. It's uh, it's origin. Uh, that was like their first big fight against the, the machine that they've been trying to. To, to, to rise up against and it was um, it was fun for them too so there was a lot of volunteers but yeah it was an interesting time and I don't think we'll spend too much time on that but those <laughs> those battles are still happening in Brooklyn oh, the yeah. machine you know Vito Lopez is gone but you know there's still machine politics and the New Kings Democrats and some you know your folks um, yeah, butting yeah. up uh, against against those forces yes, um, yes. But, so you were reelected yes yes and you got to keep your <laughs> yes. seat as chair yes, of the sanitation committee so yes. you've built up considerable expertise in yes, this area which believe me people is actually fascinating when you get yeah. into the details it is so I guess give us, you know, you've been sitting in that seat for a while. Give us your assessment of the city's solid waste management plan, you know, the Department of Sanitation, and now more recently, de Blasio's Zero Waste Initiative. Um, so, so first, trash. It's, it's not sexy. It's the hardest thing to get people to care about. Um, and it's also something that I call, you know, out of sight, out of mind, uh, because it's get, it gets picked up. And for the most part, the Department of Sanitation does a great job. Um, the snow plowing. Uh, you know, in, in any other state, uh, you have three inches of snow, the whole, the whole town is shut down. In New York, you have six feet, and they want it up and gone, and like, the next day. They want people to go back to work on Monday. Um, so 
we have a very solid sanitation department. Um, it, but making it something that people want to care about it, is very difficult. The Department of Sanitation runs the same way it ran, you know, in the 1970s, in the 1960s, in the 1950s. The trucks get newer, but the system is almost exactly the same. Um, the routes have changed here and there, but it's two men on a truck. Truck uh, garbage gets left out in front um, uh, every other day. Uh, it gets thrown into the truck, and then the truck goes to uh, a transfer station, and the transfer station takes that trash to uh, a landfill. And it's like very straightforward, very standard. And we've changed or deviated from that 0% over the last 50 years. But now we have Captain Garcia, who's saying, you know, this is not sustainable. Almost Commissioner of Sanitation. The Commissioner of Sanitation, Captain Garcia, who says, half a billion dollars. That's how much, more or less, we're spending to send trash to landfill. Half a billion dollars. When you look at that in respect to other agencies, um, it just doesn't add up. It's not worth, the, the, it literally isn't worth anything, the trash. We have to figure something out when it comes to the amount of money we're spending. Um, if we don't do it, it's going to exponentially increase because South Carolina and Kentucky are only going to take so much trash. After they shut down and they say they don't want our trash, um, someone else is going to say we want you to pay double for disposing of it here. I mean, so it's, it's, it's something that we can't control for a long time. So what we're trying to do with the swamp plan is a little different. Swamp, um, I think, just wants people to handle their own trash. We handle 40% of the city's trash in North Brooklyn, 70% um, between North Brooklyn, South Bronx, and Southeast Queens. Um, there's no, and it's a, all these poor communities got these transfer stations because they, sh they shut down the Fresh Kills landfill in Staten Island. So you got Justice for Staten Island where there's no landfill, they got a beautiful park, all the trash goes to these three poor black, black and brown communities. Um, so we want to do something about it. The first plan was under Bloomberg who said, you know what, let's have the Upper West Side, um, Let's have the, the Upper East Side, I'm sorry, the Upper East Side. Let's have Manhattan, the Bronx, um, Brooklyn, everywhere. Everyone's going to handle their own trash. We're not going to put the burden on one community or three communities. Um, that's moving very slowly by the building of waste transfer stations or marine transfer stations. Um, it's moving slowly. We've been sued uh, God knows how many times uh, by the Upper East Siders. They have a lot of money, so they've been spending it uh, on, on a lot of lawyers. Uh, but we finally have gone through that it's getting built in the Upper East Side. Um, Hamilton, which is in, in Brooklyn, is built. There's one in Queens that's being built. And these marine transfer stations are going to handle the city's trash more equitably. Then we have zero waste, um, which for the last four years has meant zero because they've done absolutely nothing to actually try to um, divert 100% of the city's trash away from landfill. Um, there was or the organics program that was instituted by uh, the Department of Sanitation, but it's voluntary. Um, that's, you know, that's the composting that's plan. Composting. That's, that's exactly. So that's the only thing you've probably seen new, the brown up. bins. But outside of that, nothing is new. Mm -hmm. Everything is exactly the same. So um, I think zero waste is, is not possible by 2030. I think the administration knows that. But um, it's more of like a, a goal that you put there and then you try to achieve it. To be honest, if we double or triple from 17%, which is what you had, to 30 to 40% diversion, that would be amazing. It would, it would be very significant um, uh, to do. So uh, even though we might not get to zero waste uh, diverted, uh, to zero waste, we, we will make progress. So what do you think are the challenges? I mean, the city's diversion rate is very low relative to other cities and other like progressive cities, right? Yeah. Why, why don't New Yorkers want to do this? Yeah. So two things, uh, other progressive cities. No one's like New York. In Seattle, for example, or in some of these places that have 50, 60, somebody has, uh, San Francisco, I think, has 80% diversion rate when we have 17. Mm -hmm. Every single thing is recyclable for them. If they tear down a building, the entire building is considered a recyc uh, recyclable, right? So the, what are, the, 
the use categories, I guess, are different. Mm -hmm. There's certain things we consider recyclable that we don't consider recyclable that they do. Um, so all those rates are all over the place. So you can't use another city's uh, numbers or rates to compare them to another city. They're all vary. And if we start putting a lot of things into our waste stream of like what we consider recyclable, mm -hmm. it would change um, considerably. Um, they say that we're closer to 50% if we were to use, let's say, San Francisco rates. Um, so I just want to make sure that we, we educate okay. folks and let them know that. Be very careful what you read. Um, it's not all the same. Um, to be honest, is, is being bold is the, the thing that we lack here in New York City when it comes to trash. Almost everywhere else, whether it's immigration, housing, education, people are trying to do something. Community schools here, you know, a sanctuary city, uh, MIH, there's an attempt at something bold to change the landscape of what we consider a crisis. But not sanitation. In sanitation, the people in sanitation first, that's all they know how to do. They know how to read, um, you know, they know how to do the alphabet from A to Z, and that's it. You can't change that for them. It's something that, that they don't want. So I would say it's being bold, having someone like a mayor that would be able to say, we're going to do this. This is what's going to happen. It's my last four years. It's, it's good for the future. It's bad for politics, but it's good for the future of the city of New York. So I'm going to stand up and do it. And so we don't see that. I think we're going to have trouble, um, or it's not going to change. Uh, and say just a little bit more what that looks like. I mean, the give boldness. Us, yeah. What 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 are a couple specifics mm -hmm. that if they came out of the mouth of I don't know this imaginary mayor that you're speaking of, yes. uh, that would be so yeah. bold or refreshing or interesting. Uh, commercial waste franchising. That's one of the. That's one thing. And mandatory organics recycling. That just like they make us recycle metal, glass, and plastic. Um, and paper, metal glass, metal glass, plastic, and paper. Um, they would also make it so it's mandatory to recycle organics, that you have to have a brown bin in your house, and that you got to separate the, the recyclables from the organics. It's eggshells, it's food, all that stuff you throw away. Once you separate it, you'll notice that maybe like 5% of your trash is, is not organics or recycling, um, and that would help considerably. We have to mandate that. We can't tell people we're going to let you volunteer or it's a choice because we don't work with choice. Unfortunately, in the city of New York, you have to tell us what you want us to do or we won't do it. It's, it's, stand, it's just straight up. Um, people are busy. <clears throat> yeah, so yeah. that's one. And then commercial waste franchising, oh, wow. which is making it so that uh, the private carding industry um, has zones uh, that they collect trash in. Uh, a perfect example that I always give, it's a North, Brook, uh, North Bronx uh, business is getting their trash picked up by a Coney Island uh, carding company. Makes no sense. When the Bronx has the, the second largest um, carding companies in the city of New York, why they would have that distance traveled, put all that pollution, destroy our roads and in, the, in these dangerous trucks. So um, the zones would make it so that a carding company would control only that zone and they, their trucks could only run around that zone. Mm -hmm. It would limit vehicles miles traveled and also help with our issue with sanitation to some degree. So you just hit on one thing that's sort of the public sector, yes, the organics, exactly. and one thing that's private sector, but mm -hmm. again, you know, could be city regulated uh, mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. But on the public front, again... Mm -hmm. So we've done a lot of work on this, right? And I, I think we agree on the franchising. I think we should talk about it more because okay. uh, the city is, is moving in, in the direction there. Um, you know, on the organics, we've done some work that shows that, yes, I mean, it is a normal goal, right? It's something we should be doing. But yeah. going back to what you said about the cost structure and the fact that everything has been done the same way for 50 years, right? Yeah. Absent any changes to the routes or the way we do collections or the introduction of new technology on the trucks, it's actually very expensive to expand organic citywide, especially at the current diversion rates, mm -hmm. right? 
So we have, we have been saying, okay, this is a very noble goal, but you have to slow it down. And until you improve the capture rates in areas, the diversion rates in areas um, where this is being done currently, or go for the sort of broader strokes to say, hey, you know, I think most New Yorkers don't realize that the, the routes, the pickup routes are collectively bargained. So, you know, Catherine Garcia can't sit there and say, well, you know what, I'm looking at my data and this is how I'm going to move this map around. She's got to sit down with Harry Nespoli and figure that out. So what kind you know, do you support those kind of changes? Do you think that, you know, there should be more aggressive negotiation with the union to change the routes, reconsider, you know, the, the introduction of technology, reconsider the way some of the compensation is structured that is really driving these costs? Um, yes and no. Um, so it's collective bargaining. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we have to talk to Harry. He has to sit down and he has to tell us what he wants. Um, remember, uh, sanitation men, um, that's what they were called. Now they're sanitation workers. I apologize for that. Sanitation workers union, when they they negotiated out of a three-person truck, right? So um, they made sacrifices already. There used to be three sanitation men on every truck, two in the back, one in the front driving, and they used to be able, they used to pick it up. We can, it was not tenable. It wasn't something we can do. So now they went to two people per truck. They agreed to that. So I just want to make it so that unlike other, maybe in other unions and other sectors, um, the sanitation men are not like the big bad wolf, right? I think that Harry would be more than willing to have a conversation about making it so that it's as efficient and as affordable as possible. Um, the real problem is the tail end, is how much it costs for us to get rid of this trash in landfills. Um, and you're right with the organics program. Right now, it doesn't make any sense because it's voluntary. Um, until if we mandate it, we'll start getting the capture rates that make more sense and are fiscally responsible um, and help us achieve our goal. And so we don't do that. I agree. And so does the Department of Sanitation, because a couple of weeks ago they put a moratorium on organics um, on the pilot. The way So there's, there's, there will be no expansions moving forward until they figure this stuff out. Maybe they do a study. I think it was the right move. It was the right thing to do because of the obvious, because of numbers. But until the mayor doesn't stand up and say we have to mandate it, it's the only way we can make this happen, then yeah, we're going to continue to have this problem. Um, so I don't think the solution is Harry. I think the solution is the citizens of the, uh, the residents of the city of New York. I think it's both. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, is, there, is there discussion happening around um, the, the pay or save as you throw? What's the... I save mean, as you throw. Save as you throw. <laughs> save as you throw. So look, I... I Almost in, in everything we do, we see better returns or better, I guess, uh, what is it, uh, behavioral shifts when people feel that they, it hits their pockets. Um, we know that. Uh, that's not what we're trying to do here, even though it would help. I want to be clear. So I think um, uh, previous statements that I've made have made it so that people think I want to charge people to collect their trash. That is not what I want to do. I was just saying, behaviorally, if you charge people for something, they will do it. Um, in this one, in the save as you throw, what we want to do is incentivize people to do the things the right way. Um, and the, there's a study currently being, ha- being done through the Department of Sanitation that's going to look at what would incentivize people to do the right thing and recycle at rates that make more sense or throw away less garbage. Um, she talked about in a building that has 90% recycling rate or does everything right, does everything right, picks up the organics and so forth, that everybody in the building gets a $50 Best Buy card. I don't know. Um, and that, that would incentivize them to keep doing it the right way. That actually, that building is saving us a lot more money than the 50 bucks we're spending on those cards. And that in the return would be significant. So it's incentivizing people to do the right thing. Right now, that's what we're looking at. Um, I, I'll tell you this, though. Um, in 20 years, that, that save as you throw is not going to be an incentive laden um, 
uh, uh, initiative. It's definitely going to be something that's going to be more aggressive um, because, again, the current model is unsustainable. Unsustainable. Yeah. And I think, you know, in many places, I think New York is rare in that it's one of the cities that finances garbage pickup only through tax revenues. There is no um, kind of fee attached to it or any sort of incentive-based mechanism. Uh, most other cities employ something like that, and a lot of them actually have sanitation districts um, that organize that service. So it's not, to us, it may sound a little... Um, yeah out there, but it's actually very standard practice in other cities. Yeah, but we, we heard, for example, our speaker, um, someone came up to him, a blogger from Staten Island, said Antonio Reynoso, the chair of sanitation, said he wants to charge us for our trash. What do you think about that? And Corey reacted and said, we would never pay for our trash. Right, and it's a, it's a part of that conversation that now. Well, friends, we pay for our trash now in tax exactly, dollars. Right? Exactly, exactly. You're paying for it one way or another. Yeah, and it's gonna so. and it's gonna but cost that's also more. Part of why time people would would get their back up about a proposal to that's then right. pay additional because they feel like their tax dollars are already that's mm-hmm. what they're for. Right, but mm-hmm. remember, unlike almost anything else, you can't cut trash services. You can't uh, if there's a downturn and we start seeing a recession or or worse. It's not like, uh, you know, firing teachers. It's trash. We have mm-hmm. to send it somewhere. It can't sit in our streets. Once they start seeing that happen, people will start saying, uh, it, well, once they see how much it costs, that mm-hmm. you can't cut it, and you got to pay this half a billion no matter what, then maybe people will start having that conversation a little differently. So, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see what it looks like when, when we get our next recession. So I want we're going to come back to the private... Carding. Yeah, actually, let's shift to that yeah. now, I think. Um, but let me, just real oh, okay. quick before that, just let me ask, you 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 sort of touched on this, but if you could just expand a little bit more about like why you care about this and why you sought to be this sanitation okay. committee yeah. chair, because mm-hmm. you know you, again you sort of mentioned it. I know the background, but this is this is a very key issue that you mentioned about yeah. the community that you represent. Yeah. So um, my district handles forty percent of the city's trash, um, and uh, that is significant. That's twenty thousand tons of capacity. Um, that run through my district. And the entire city does about 19,000 tons. Um, so a lot of that is unused, but we have the capacity to take that on. Um, because of it, we are um, a district that has the third highest rates of asthma entrance into Woodhall Hospital, into a public hospital, so much so that the city of New York thought it'd be wise and the federal government to install a asthma, like an asthma recovery center in Woodhall Hospital. It's, it was that intense. Um, we also have the third least amount of park space in my district. Um, and we have the BQE, the great Robert Moses decided it would be great to build this highway in the middle of the Southside community. Um, and all that added up makes it so that we are one of the most environmentally um, uh, unsound city districts in the entire city. Um, and when you come to our district, if you ever do, our parks don't have grass. Um, the trucks are rumbling down the streets. The pollution is 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 clear. Um, I think it's a, a they did a study and it's like 500 times more pollu- 500 times more pollution on weekdays than there are on weekends when the trucks aren't working in our district. And these guys are running on routes that are very local, Metropolitan that has three schools along Metropolitan Avenue. Grand Street has three schools along Grand Street as well. So my biggest problem here is how do we make, how do we 
how do we make it so that this industry, especially the private sanitation industry, has trucks that are newer? Um, how do we limit trucks from even coming through our streets? Um, and then I found out that, of course, it's 40% is in my district. So that was a big problem as well. So the big thing for me was environmental justice issue that I was aware about before I became a council member. And when I got the opportunity to be sanitation chair, I wanted to take that on. Usually sanitation chairs are like, um, they usually go to Staten Island council members because they want to uh, stop, they want a fresh kills to go. Um, I'm the new environmental justice trash king, I guess. Um, so that's why I wanted to take it on, why it's important to me. Thank you. And, and you know, eventually maybe we'll, we'll, if we have time, we'll talk a little bit about this, but you also have to consider, and you're looking at things related to your district, there are a lot of jobs in the district related to the facilities that you have. So that has to obviously be on, on your mind. But I think Maria uh, will take us towards a little more discussion of the private uh, carting industry. So, you know, we're talking about changes in this area, right? Um, and so the marine transfer stations is part of a plan to change the way we've been doing it with this heavy reliance on the truck hauling. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the organics is a new program trying to increase the recycling rates. Um, the department is studying save as you throw, um, but where they do seem to be moving a little more aggressively is on commercial franchising. So, you know, we've done work on this. We support it. Why don't you say what the problem it's addressing is yeah. and why it's a great idea? Okay, so the biggest problem we're having with these trucks are vehicles miles traveled. Um, right now, there is one street in, in the um, Broadway in the upper east, in the upper west side, that I, I believe has about 20 different carters picking up trash on the same block. So that means 20 different trucks come to pick up the trash for every single business. They all have a different, a different contract with a different carter. We believe that one truck can pick up all that trash, mm-hmm. um, and that would take away 19 trucks off the streets. Um, we, the initial study done conservatively said we can get rid of 60 63%, I believe it is, or about 60%, of vehicles miles traveled in the private trucking industry through a zoning system. So that's the big, that's the first thing we wanna address. Um, and the zo- zoning is, um, again, uh, we would cut up the city into let's say, and, I, and I'm gonna keep throwing numbers out there because we don't know, it's, it's, right. in, it's important that people know we haven't done this yet. We don't know exactly how it's gonna look, um, but we have a concept that's conceptually in place. We'll cut up the city into 20 zones. Every zone would have one carding company that's in charge of it. That carting company would have to pick up all of the trash in the in the businesses and, and in, 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 in different locations. Um, they would have to do that in every single zone. What we're allowed to do then as a city is RFP these contracts. And in an RFP, we could ask for a lot more than permitting. So in an RFP, we can say your trucks need to be at least uh, only five years old. It can't be more than five years old. That means the newer trucks with less diesel fumes coming out um, uh, would be helpful. You need, uh, we wanna make sure you have safety. So we want your record, your safety record to be strong. It means that you don't have a lot of workers comp um, claims, you don't have safety, you don't have deaths in your, in your, in your, in your carting company or in your transfer station and so forth. Um, we just wanna roll through that constantly. And um, we have a lot of leeway in what an RFP can look like, mm-hmm. unlike a permitting system. With a permit, all you need to do is have um, be licensed and then make a request, and it's done. So we really feel like this is the, the, the way of the future. It's been done in Los Angeles now, is the, the, the most recent city that has done it. Um, and we're, we're excited about what the prospects of that 
could bring here in the city of New York. And that would be legislation through the city council? Yes, we would need to pass legislation to make that happen. Um, and I, I carry the legislation right now. So you and have, and go ahead. I was going to say, so, and you feel strongly it should be one Carter per zone, yeah, or should there be, a, you know, a few, mm -hmm. not 10, maybe two, three, five? I, I guess we'll talk internal <laughs> politics that mm -hmm. happen here. Rebney, who's the Real Estate Board of New York, um, doesn't want one Carter. Rebney relies heavily on being able to fire a Carter should they not do a good job. They have a very tall building, let's say 20, 30 stories. Uh, their trash needs to go out the same day, every time, without, without messing up. If your carter messes up once or twice, they want to just be able to get rid of that carter and have someone else. Um, that's fair. I think that that, that right. makes sense, that uh, we can't just have one person. We actually would have things in the contract that could make it so that we could modify that or, or the person could lose their contract, let's say, and someone else can get it. Um, so, so in places, especially the central business district, it might make sense to have more than one carding company. Right. I think the benefit is that you preserve elements of competition, but also flexibility, right? Because not all firms are the same size. You have your local pizza shop, you have a huge Rebney building, mm -hmm. and their their needs are very different. And yeah. there may be companies that can cater to one and not the other, or offer packages that can help both. Because, mm -hmm. you know, the, the system is crazy now. It mm -hmm. is crazy to tell every single business you you know pick whoever you want, and then have all these trucks making these collections at the same time, increasing the pollution, but also the gridlock. And the, and the, and this business, talk a little bit about the Business Integrity Commission, because I don't think this is an entity oh. that, I mean, some folks who maybe are drawn to this episode of the podcast, knowing you're on and the, and some of the topics, they might be familiar, but some probably aren't. Yeah. Um, and you've been critical yeah. of the Business Integrity Commission, um, because we have seen these private companies with safety issues and we've yeah. seen people dying. Yeah. I mean, um, there's, there's, I think, um, you know, I was rereading a ProPublica article on this that um, private sanitation trucks killed seven people last year. Um, yeah. And there hasn't been a death with a city sanitation right. truck yeah. in several years. So mm -hmm. there's a big discrepancy. Yeah. So, uh, and shout out to Kara for the ProPublica article. Um, it's because of her that a lot of this stuff is moving. I want to be clear. Um, it's like media and like good politics coming together, and we finally get to move on it. The Business Integrity Commission, known as BIC, um, was originally an anti-organized crime unit put together by Giuliani when uh, the sanitation, the private sanitation industry was, was the, you know, anybody seen The Sopranos? That's exactly what it was here in the city of New York. Organized crime ran it, um, and they had... To be honest, uh, it's funny because they had a zone system when it was organized crime because they knew it was more efficient. They knew it was more profitable. Um, so they had, but but their zones weren't uh, too but, good. Too exactly. good to be true. Yeah. You can't you right. can't make this stuff yeah. up. Um, the only problem is that their zoning was you know it was it was corrupt. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we we would be doing it in a way that's fair. Um, so uh, that, that's what happened. So they were put in to weed out the the, the organized crime. They've done a great job, actually, on doing that. Um, but they also have other responsibilities. Uh, and one of those responsibilities is regulating this industry related to safety as well. It's a very vague uh, um, description in the charter that says uh, if they believe anyone is a, like, a bad person or a bad character, that they can revoke licenses, they can suspend licenses, and so forth. They've never done that. They've never suspended like a license from... So, for example, this guy that killed Mr. Diallo, uh, Mr. Diallo was a helper off the books working for sanitation salvage in the city of New York. They needed a third helper, a third person in the truck because their route was too long um, and, the and the route was uh, well, too long, too many stops in a short amount of time. 
they don't, these people don't get paid overtime. It's 80 bucks a day. Here you go. You have this 12-hour route to do. You could do it in eight hours. You could do it in 15 hours. We don't care. You got to get this thing done. Um, so they're out there running, uh, running red lights, running stop signs, speeding in these trucks that are ancient. These trucks are old. They're bumbling down the streets. Um, they're making all types of noises. So they get this guy off the books to, to work with them. Um, he gets crushed by the truck he's working for. Um, when the cops get there, the driver and the other helper say that it was a homeless man that jumped in front of the truck and, and died. Uh, and they didn't know what it was. Case closed. It's done. Everything is right. By the way, Sanitation Salvage has uh, $385,000 that they owe in back wages. Um, they've, killed, uh, they was a, they, they've killed other people in the streets. They've had safety concerns. These guys are probably the, one of the worst um, folks in the industry, one of the worst. Uh, and Big didn't find it to say, you know what, maybe we should do a little more here in this investigation. And, Big, and then, then they find out that these guys were lying about two months later. They find out that they, this guy actually worked there and that they lied. They didn't revoke the license or suspend the license or request to suspend the license of the person that was driving. They let him drive again. A month later, he killed someone else, right? Um, so th the point that we're making here is it's just big is, is not doing its job when it comes to overseeing and regulating this industry. They're, it's almost like they want to do something else. Like this is not, this is not part of their, I guess, their, their resume building um, that that the commissioner wants to have. So I'm not going to let that happen. So what? Do you, yeah. So what do you want to do? I want. So one, I want to have a hearing, and I'm going to have a hearing on exactly what happened here and what Bic did wrong and, and why Sanitation Salvage is still doing business in the city of New York, still has contracts with the city of New York. A lot of these private carding industries that are terrible, terrible businesses all have contracts with the city because the city can't do it all by themselves. So they need private carders to do, to do like the remaining 10% of the work that they can't get done. The worst people, Five Star, um, which is also a terrible company that has been terrible to their neighbors in North Brooklyn. Um, sanitation, salvage, and so forth constantly get contracts from the city of New York. And the city could at least do this. If you're a bad player, we're not going to give you our money, mm -hmm. tax dollars to do this work. They don't do that either. It's almost like all you need to do is have a license in the city to get, to get work. So I, I'm just trying to address that issue. Mm -hmm. um, and I think BIC has been a problem. I don't think they've been tough enough on the private sanitation industry. So right now, have the oversight hearing there. Nothing's on the table in terms of reform, trying to reform BIC or fold BIC into something else, or you're not, you're not quite at that point. No, if BIC, if BIC would do its job the right way, it would be very effective. So my job is to make it do its job. So right, that, that's what I'm working on. But theoretically, on. if you implement the franchising system and you do it through this very robust RFP, as you mm -hmm. said, what happens is the more professional firms who have better safety records, who yes. use better equipment, who are legit companies, right. rise to the top and get the contracts instead of what probably I suspect is the sanitation right. departments using lowest bid and getting these companies right. with the answer, the answer to, you're absolutely right. The answer to dealing with the private sanitation industry is waste franchising. It's the way we, we can reel them in and start putting in regulations that don't currently exist. Um, we're out of time. The, I want to ask you one quick last question yeah. about the L train shutdown. But, yes. um, you know, there are also issues that we didn't get to around Bushwick community planning. Uh -huh. We won't get to that now, but uh -huh. folks should, you know, if you're interested in Councilmember Reynoso's district, especially there's there's interesting discussions again back to DCP and housing around uh, potential rezoning in Bushwick. Um, but just quickly on the L train shutdown yes. in 30 seconds. Apologies for the for the short time, right. but we've already gone over here. Um, 
what you know what do you you know what are just like a couple of things that you think are musts for the L train shutdown plan? Okay. So if one shut it down, absolutely. Uh, I think we need to do more on the bridge. Uh, we it's HOV lanes um, that are going to be shared with the buses. I don't think that should happen. I think it should be exclusive bus lanes. Um, I think twenty four seven. Twenty four seven. It should be twenty four seven exclusive bus lanes. Um, we're we're going to have a hard time here. Uh, it's going to be something that that uh, I don't think we'll, we'll see the crisis in the first three weeks. And DOT has to be very flexible to be able to fix it. Um, and I also think that shutting down streets for pedestrians, buses, and um, and bikes are going to be very important. Um, we really need to start looking at how to move around in the city of New York outside of vehicles. And DOT has a, a perfect chance to prove that they can do that. They can do it here. If they if they fall short or they want to do both, let private cars still move through it um, easily and move people through buses and bikes and pedestrians, I don't think it's going to work. So I want them to be bold. Shut it down. Shut streets down. Just go. Think about a, a beautiful transportation city. You got an opportunity here. There's a crisis. Take advantage of it. Okay, we'll leave it there. Thank yes. you very much for, <laughs> Thank for being you. on. Thanks Thank for joining you. us. Thank you guys so much. Bye. Thank you.